For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Southern California and more. Will you believe in our teams? Do you believe? That is right. This is episode three, and I am your co-host, Anthony Cerdelli. Kent is going to join me in a second, but first I'm just going to give you a little rundown of the topics we have to talk about today. The first one, we're going to do a quick Pacific Division preview. We're going to talk about teams that are up, teams that are down, who we think are going to make the playoffs. Then we're going to talk a little bit about Brendan Gould's, excuse me, Gooley, I always say Gould, Gooley's improved play. He, uh, he's had a great performance in a couple of the preseason games. We're going to touch on the Swede line. That is the line of Lundestrom, Silverberg, and Raquel. And Steele, even though he's not a Swede, was in there for one of the games. And then we're going to do something fun. We're going to do something called the three stars of the night. That's going to be basically Kent and I giving our top three of something that we either love or dislike about the game of hockey. It's going to be a different topic every single week. And uh, eventually, if you guys want to Twitter or tweet at me and, and give me some questions. Give Ken some questions to answer for that. We'd love to have you. You can find our podcasts on all the directories you're used to seeing podcasts on. That's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. If you like us, go ahead and give us five stars on iTunes. And then you can find me on Twitter at, at @delitweets. You can find Ket on Instagram. Ken, uh, <laughs> go ahead and give them your Instagram. Yes, here it comes. Huskverna, H-U-S-K underscore V-E-R-N-A uh, for my Instagram. And uh, yeah, here we go. Let's kick it off with the Pacific Division preview. Uh, I really think it comes down to really one spot, um, but I'll get into that in a second if you want to. If you want to go for it first. Yeah. So just I guess over the last couple of days, um, doing some reading and listening to some other podcasts and um, just talking to people in the hockey realm. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of buzz about the Central Division this year. I think the Pacific. Um, a lot of people are expecting kind of five out of the Central to get in, and uh, three out of the Pacific. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm. I think there are, are some definitely strong candidates coming out of the Central. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think the Pacific's going to be as much of kind of a an afterthought or a second fiddle um, in comparison to the Central. I think there's still some strength uh, on the West Coast here. And, um, you know, it'll be an interesting season, I guess, with the salary cap. And, I mean, as we saw last year, worst place in January ends up winning the Cup. Like, you never know. It's just a matter of uh, who can who can get hot and who can stay hot for the longest and uh, stay healthy, get good goaltending. There's just – salary cap era there's so much parity in the league basically anything can happen so it'll be interesting but i don't think it's going to be as 
as dominant as people think, just my opinion. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm, I might have to disagree with you there a little bit. I think the Pacific has, or excuse me, sorry, the Central has about six teams uh, that can challenge for a playoff spot. Of course, the most that they can get playoff spots are five with their three division spots and the two wild card spots. Um, but you've got Colorado, you've got Nashville, you've got Winnipeg, you've got St. Louis. Chicago could even, I think, make some noise. You've got Dallas. They're going to beat each other up a little bit. Uh, but I think overall they're, they're pretty stacked in that division. Um, when it comes to the Pacific, obviously that in my scenario that leaves only three spots, the top three in the Pacific division. I think Las Vegas and Calgary are going to be at the top. I don't think anybody's going to supplant them. Uh, Calgary hasn't gotten any worse. I think they're going to be out for revenge after uh, probably what they view as getting bounced a little early last year. Uh, so I bet they come out with a chip on their shoulder. Las Vegas, I just love their team. I love the way it's built. Um, I like that they, they got Carlson now under a long, longer-term contract. So he's going to be more comfortable. Uh, I also think that I, I like the, uh, the Stone, Stone being there, Mark Stone, for uh, the long-term. Pacioretty, they have two really good top lines. I just think, they, and they've got Fleury as the goalie. So I think that they're, they're going to be pretty good. I think, surprisingly, the team that might be vulnerable in that top three is San Jose. Uh, they lost Pavelski, they lost Nyquist, Thornton, even though he put up great numbers for someone north of 40. I mean, probably, I would, I'm not, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing probably the best numbers for a forward who's, who's 40 or over. So not like he's really slowing down that much, but he is, I mean, he is getting older. Um, their defense, obviously, is the strong part of their team with Burns, with Carlson, Vlasic. That's going to be the strength, um, but they're, I'm worried about their goaltending. I think their goaltending was a question last year. It was kind of up and down, um, and they haven't really done much to address that. So I think if there's a team that's vulnerable in the Pacific, I think it's the Sharks. Now, is there anybody who can, who can kind of make that jump and, and knock them down, take that third spot, which I think is where they'll be? Possibly. I mean, I think the Ducks have a chance. Um, if you look at it, it's, sorry to kind of word vomit, I wrote an article last week about uh, goal scoring kind of being a problem for Anaheim last year. They only scored 199 goals. That was one of the worst marks they've scored in their in their franchise history. But we've talked a little bit about how last season might have been a little bit of an outlier. Uh, I Definitely. think if Getzlav can get back to, let's say, 20 goals, that's six more than he scored uh, last season. Steele, and these are conservative, I mean, I think conservative estimates. If Steele can get 15 goals, Terry maybe gets to 10, and that's not even including Kasha. That is a significant jump, and the average amount of goals scored for a team that has qualified for the playoffs, the, the lowest team goal scored for, for a playoff team, it's averaged 216 since the last lockout, and that gets the Ducks up over 216. Obviously, their defense, and, uh, their defense is still a question, but we're going to talk about that later. We've, we've seen the play of, uh, of one player especially improve, so if, if they can bump up their defense, if they, I think their goal scoring will improve, and their goaltending is obviously solid. I think the Ducks have a chance. Uh, I agree with you on Vegas. Again, um, I think they're obviously still um, still enjoying the benefits of the of the way the uh, expansion draft and and the players they were allowed to pick from and and uh, GM George McPhee just did a great job of putting <laughs> that team together. I mean, hats off. He really and and just seeing how that team gelled around the community and. I, I can't believe I haven't seen a game up there yet, but uh, I hear it's incredible. It looks incredible. Um, I just think that's – I have them slated as one. 
I actually had San Jose slated as two. Um, same thing, just along that those same lines with the, that formula, looking at their top four defense of Burns, uh, a healthier Carlson, and uh, Mark Edward Vlasic. Um, just that that top three, I, I think that's – you'd be hard-pressed to find a better top three in the league. Um, and with those guys, probably one of them pretty much being on the ice for the entire game. Um, <laughs> I think it, just the with Burns and Carlson, their ability to create offense from – in their own zone and they just what they bring to the table it, it's hard to replicate that's why they're so valuable and that's why they got the contracts that they did and um, be able to play good defense and then basically act as a an elite level forward in the offensive zone when you have that fourth fourth forward basically from the blue line in that's uh, pretty lethal um Vlasic I don't think uh, kind of flies under the radar but just a great mobile solid stay-at-home uh, steady defenseman who can play, you know, 25 minutes a night. Uh, I had Calgary as three. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I think teams that traditionally you see have strong regular season then, and then get bounced uh, kind of unexpectedly early usually tend to have a chip on their shoulder the next year. And you're right, they're, they're basically looking like the same team. Um, I... I guess to be honest, I'm dating myself. I don't know a whole lot about the the goalie situation there um, with Riddick. I don't know a whole lot about him, but obviously they they feel that he's their guy. And um, again, the defense looks great. Forwards, good depth there as far as the top two lines. Now that they got to check wrapped up uh, for a few years, and that situation is resolved. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, hey, the hometown bias is alive here. I've got the Ducks squeaking in there for the last spot. So I got four out of the Central and the Ducks uh, squeaking in. I, yeah, I, you just get a feel around this team and um, just a balance, balance up front. I think they're going to, the way things are shaping up, look like they're going to have four pretty good lines. And uh, if they can get a, a power play going and, you know, um, I feel like the the strength of this team is is balance up front. Um, you know, I think the D is solid, as you noted. We've got a couple of the the young guys are looking better and better, and then obviously the goaltending is a, a huge strength with uh, with Gibby and and uh, and Miller back there. I think that's just uh, in good shape, and and goal goaltending can take you a long ways in this league. So. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll kind of have to catch some uh, some lightning in a bottle and get hot, have a couple good hot streaks. And I think you'll see a lot of one-goal games from the Ducks this year. They just kind of have that feel of a, a scrappy team that's going to be in, in every game. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. After that, I, I have their biggest uh, challenge kind of will probably be battling with the the coyotes i think they've got a good team always always kind of pesky always right <laughs> in the the mix for playoffs and um they've they've done some nice things as far as their roster and then uh one of the probably the most exciting team i would say apart from colorado would probably be vancouver i think they're going to be really fun to watch with um besser petterson and uh now quinn hughes i this kid is phenomenal. I just love watching him play. And when the three of those guys get out there in overtime, I was listening to another podcast, and uh, they were mentioning you should get an alert on their phone when uh, <laughs> these guys are out when Vancouver goes to overtime. Just watching those three guys, I think they're, they're maybe 
maybe a year a year away from playoffs, but could could be a threat this year, I think, and um, with the emergence of Pedersen and how well he's played, uh, I think they kind of are uh, are looking at a situation where it's definitely the rebuild might be accelerated quicker than they thought. So that's that's encouraging. And then um, to round it out, L.A. and Edmonton. Um, yeah, I think L.A. It's kind of in the same boat as Chicago, and it's just the the cycle of the the salary cap and having teams that were great um, for the runs that they had, and uh, you just want to reward those guys that got you there and lock them up and keep them in your franchise, and uh, and that takes long term big money deals, um, especially after you're coming off cup wins. So they both have their kind of nucleus. Nucleuses, <laughs> nuclei, nuclei. I think. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, that. Yeah, I mean, you have to reward those guys, and and they chose to do so. And and um, I don't know. As as the years goes by, and uh, and other teams kind of takes step forward. I don't know. You, you never know. One thing about LA, I, I will say, is I having played for Coach uh, Todd McClellan in San Jose. Uh, they are going to be a well-coached team. This guy, um, I mean, you saw what he did with Edmonton, and I think it's hard to see in the moment, but after he left, you, then you kind of notice how good of a job he was doing there. <laughs> and I think it, with San Jose, as far as preparation, um, demanding, but at the same time, he's got a great charisma. He's a guy you want to play for. Um, always, our systems were always top notch in San Jose, and I think they're they're definitely going to be a um, well coached team, and they're going to be hard to play against. That uh, I think um, offense might be a challenge, but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of one goal games this year for the Kings. That's what uh, what I'm thinking, and, and they're going to be no easy nights playing against those guys. Um, and then Edmonton, um, I think, yeah, getting Ken Holland, a smart hockey guy in there, um, to just just a, a new take, a kind of a, a restart, reboot the system, and just kind of, they obviously have uh, the two studs up front, but after you get past that, there's there's some big some big question marks, and it's probably gonna gonna take um, a couple of years to work through some of the contracts they have of current guys in place that maybe haven't worked out or um, just haven't worked yet. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Edmonton's probably a, a good couple years away. They just need to kind of retweak that that roster around those big guys. So, yeah, that, that's my uh, spiel. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> I think just rounding out the uh, – got to be out of breath there. <laughs> yeah, well, I need to drink some coffee. I here. like it. That's, that's, that's impressive. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just rounding out the the previews, yeah, I think I think it, it I do think it's going to be uh, five teams from the central. But if there if it is four and four, if the central kind of beats each other up, I think the advantage the Ducks have in their division also is is the question marks, like you said, Vancouver. I think could some, surprise some people this year. I, I like their team a lot as well. Just the offensive the offensive skill with Pedersen and Besser and and Quinn Hughes, like you mentioned, is is just he's unbelievable already. Just with that little brief glimpse you saw of him last season. Uh, Edmonton, L.A., I think are going to be at the bottom. Like uh, I agree with you, L.A. Just I think they really they really dropped hard last year. I I, I like McClellan as a coach, but 
you kind of have to get get those new players in and and I haven't really seen a lot from the from the younger guys that they got maybe a couple years ago Velarde and Anderson Dolan um, I think they might have been a little bit slow to develop uh, they do have they got Kupari I believe and uh, um, Bjornfoot they raved about I think it was Doughty raved about Bjornfoot uh, how good he is so um, I think they're I think they're yeah a couple years away still from getting back there Edmonton same thing uh, Peter Chiarelli really didn't do them any favors when he was their GM in terms of contracts and that type of stuff uh, so yeah I think Vancouver might might surprise might might be a little bit on the Ducks heels for the maybe the fourth playoff spot if they get a wild card uh, Arizona <laughs> I have a I have a bias against Arizona. Uh, it's similar to uh, so it's it's not it's not the same situation. But uh, in the past, probably the past five years before the before the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, every year I'd be like, hey, it's got to be the year. I'd tell people like, I think this is the year for the Capitals, and they make me look stupid every freaking year. I was like, they they lose in the first. I'm like, come on. So finally. I'm like, nope, I don't care how good and I don't care how good they look. They're not going to win. They're never going to win. Sure enough, that year they, they win the Stanley Cup. I feel the same way about Arizona making the playoffs. I've been telling yeah. people for a few years now, just like, look out for Arizona. These guys are going to be good. They're, they're, they've got a good, smart, young GM. They've got, good, they've got Keller, those young, good players. They got, and every year, I mean, it's not always their fault. Last year they had injuries, but I'm just like, God, they made me look stupid again. So Arizona... I don't have any faith in you until you make the playoffs. So even if you, you could be the 1980 Red Army team, or that's probably a bad example, before 1980 Red Army team, I would still not have you in the playoffs until you made the playoffs. Maybe that makes me look stupid, but that's just my, <laughs> that's my wow. two cents. So that clinches it. The Coyotes will make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. uh, now this year. <laughs> yep. uh, our friend Biz on, on <laughs> yeah. Chickens, you get the Coyote uh, coverage and then some, but just mentioning how... Um, Locking up, locking up guys after they've come off maybe a, a questionable year. I actually, I think that's a pretty smart strategy. And you, you kind of, um, obviously, it would probably feel a little better intuitively that if you want to sign a guy after he's had a monster year and kind of anticipate that he's going to be able to replicate that for every season moving forward. But when the uh, the growth and development of players never a, never a straight line up, and there's always uh, there's always going to be dips, and, and if you just kind of have faith in the player and the overall getting to watch them day-to-day -day and seeing the habits and getting to know them as a person and, and, and you have faith in that, and, and then you know that the, that the play is going to, going to escalate over time and continue to improve and, and to kind of base a contract uh, off, off those kind of uh, those thoughts and sentiments and, and then maybe – catch a guy on a down year and be able to score a bit of a discount to lock up a guy like uh, like uh, Clayton Keller and um, but yeah following the same formula I like their D um, Ekman Larson and I think Goligoski still still got it still a good player my boy Jason Demers still uh, still getting it done there at a came back from an injury um, last year but he's he's always solid and reliable and a great team guy and I think, uh, yeah, you just kind of had that feel that going through the adversity of last year. Yeah, they could be, like, I definitely have them pegged as, as in the mix, for sure, for a playoff spot this year. There we go. So let's move on, touch on a couple of the preseason things we noticed. Uh, only five days away, I believe, from the day we're recording. It's Saturday until opening night for the Ducks. Uh, but we both kind of noticed the strong play of Brendan Gooley. And I've watched enough games and looked it up now. That is how you pronounce 
his last name, so I don't. We sound, got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't sound stupid anymore. Ghoul. <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, you you remarked to me just about how well the impression that Ghoulies made for you this preseason. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, I think when we went uh, we went to see the um, the rookie showcase down in Great Park Ice, and just watching those games, it's hard to tell to get the true kind of sense of a player from that. It's um, like no one's played together before. There's not a lot of continuity. There's no systems in place. It's, those games are always, I, I remember going through training camp and the early games, everything's kind of a scramble there. So it's just, uh, it's hard to judge a player based on that. Um, I remember we were kind of um, watching them and you know, having heard all the good things, you're kind of waiting on, on something to kind of jump off the, you know, to make some plays that kind of stands out. And I, I just thought he was, um, yeah, he didn't stand out of those games, but the, the, that's to be expected. And I think not not a surprise. And more more interesting and more telltale is as you get further into training camp. So now it was um, the last couple of games. I think uh, the San Jose game, he was great. I thought he played really well. That was um, really showcased his skating and mobility. And uh, I think that's kind of his calling card as a defenseman. I don't know if you... Um, people watch the game, but hearing um, Brian Hayward and and Johnny Allers talking about how he's put on about seven to nine pounds of of uh, muscle over the summer, and that's so key for guys at that age, especially defensemen. Um, to add that just a, a little bit of extra strength and a little more power in your stride, so you can kind of shake guys off a little more explosiveness in the legs and the core. And, um, you saw that on his goal, and I, I was actually really impressed with the. The first goal, I, I forget who it was who banged in the rebound, um, I think. Henrique, maybe? Um, yeah. It was I, off to the side. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was one of the young guys, Martin, Martinson, maybe, or something oh, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, Martinson. Yeah, but uh, just that little move, and I know we talked about deception last podcast, but as a defenseman, you always hear guys about uh, getting pucks through, getting pucks to the net, and, I mean, that's why – Guys like like Burns and Carlson make it look so easy, but I can tell you from uh, firsthand experience, it's not easy to. And uh, he did a nice little uh, shuffle step, changed the angle of the shot, got it through, got it to the net through traffic, and create rebounds. So that's that's a huge plus as a defenseman. You love to see that. Love to see the ability to, uh, like the footwork and the the uh, the hands to be able to pull that off at the point. Um, and then the the big play that everyone was talking about was him jumping into the rush and a little. Uh, toe drag shot, use the defender as a screen, and uh, basically go uh, post in on the top <laughs> shelf. That was a yeah, that was that was a big moment. Uh, I know it's preseason, but when you have a bunch of guys that are kind of in the in the conversation, looking for looking for jobs on the defensive end, and I think there's um, best case there there was five or six guys probably battling for two spots for sure, maybe even three that were up for grabs and. Um, I think a lot was riding on this training camp. Obviously, there's the the background, having watched these players for um, the entire year, and they're always well scouted. And um, or the organization knows, but as as far as us, um, with training camp being closed, you kind of have to go by the games and what we've seen. And I just thought that was a real; those two games were really solid as far as the offensive thing, but also also defensively. I thought he was really strong. Um, did well in kind of his battles along the walls, great outlet passes. Um, 
Yeah, I, I thought he looked great in those two games um, as well. What did you think of our, our uh, the goal? Uh, yeah, the goal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that goal was just blink and you missed it. Like uh, having never never made it past the high school level in hockey, uh, a sh- the sh- my shot was always something I was that was terrible. And so whenever I see a guy with a shot like that, I get like a jealousy boner. I'm just like, oh my god, that was so good. Like it was blink, it was literally blink and you missed it. And it was just that 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 type of stuff. I think I tweeted like put a laser sight on his stick. That thing is. A snipe, but also um, you mentioned the ability to get shots through into the net. Uh, that that is such an underrated skill. Like another guy that they talked about being really good at that is PK Subban. He doesn't always have that, and it's not always about that long wind up and that hard slap shot. It's a quick, it's a quick little wrist shot that gets through, surprises the defenders who are in the, in the forwards who are trying to block shots, and just is kind of a seeing eye way to generate chances in front of your net. So um, I think I think he showed a lot, uh, and then. Go moving on quickly to the Swede line, we'll call it. Um, that was also pretty encouraging. Maybe it's maybe it's a little bit uh, getting ahead of ourselves with Lundestrom, but they had such good chemistry. I'm talking about the, uh, when Silverberg, Lundestrom, and uh, Raquel played on the same line. Uh, the tic-tac-toe goal they had, they always seemed to find each other. Uh, Silverberg and Raquel obviously being teammates for a while. They're, they're, they're going to have good chemistry, but Lundestrom jumping in there, such a young guy. Uh, I, think, I think that is... a, a I'm going to be excited to see that in real games. And whether it's Lundestrom there uh, as well or Steele in the middle, obviously he's not Swedish, but we can still call it the Swede line. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, yeah one of many kind of interesting situations that I, I think is a good problem to have when you have, have spots open and you have guys stepping up like Brennan Gooley and then uh, I thought Jake Larson um, kind of is um, – really coming in and kind of stepping up and, and um, looking great in those those couple of games, just a, a solid defenseman. And um, and then, yeah, like you have a guy like Lundstrom, or Lundstrom 19 years old, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> to, and playing with those two guys, and th- that's really promising. And and, and when you have a 19-year-old challenging for a, for a position in your lineup, yeah, that's a, that's a great situation to have. And all of a sudden you have these young guys coming in. I mean, Comtois, Jones, um, Terry, Steele, and now Lundstrom, I think. Um, that's great. And I mean, you have to figure out what's going to be best for them long-term, whether that's, uh, I've talked about it before, whether that's going to the AHL and playing every key situation every night, if that's going to be better for your development or um, being around the NHL, living the, the NHL life, practicing, eating, spending time with the the veteran guys, and and um, being in that NHL atmosphere, if you're going to be able to soak up more playing less minutes, um, but just for the overall experience. So I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, factors that are going to go into these decisions. But like I say, I mean, they're that's promising as an organization to have those kind of decisions that you have to make, and it'll be interesting to see over the next few days as we, uh, I guess, close in on tonight's last game of the preseason and uh, gearing up for October 3rd and just have all these guys uh, in the uh, in the equation and have that organizational depth. Things are heading in the right direction here. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's great to see. 
All right, so let's get to the, to the, well, everything's fun, but this I think is gonna be especially fun. We're gonna start calling it the three stars of the game, where we're basically gonna go over uh, a top three of some hockey-related subject, in our opinion, whether, whether tonight's gonna be, or today it's gonna be pet peeves. So it's gonna be negative three things that, that bother us, not about the game of hockey, but related to the game of hockey. It's, and sometimes it's gonna be a positive thing, sometimes it's gonna be a negative thing, but I think this one, this one's fun. It's not really gonna get at anybody. Um, so. Kent, biggest hockey-related pet peeves. We'll go with top three. Uh, you can expand on one or two that you're particularly annoyed about, uh, but go ahead. <laughs> um, okay, for me, number three is, I guess, is more comical, and it's, it is, um, I don't know, it, it's pretty, pretty funny to see, but when you see, like, the, the viral videos of the coaches that have, like, the tantrums when they... Uh, <laughs> just kind of like lose their mind and throw the sticks on the ice and are banging the glass and and screaming their you know head off at the ref and um i I always i always just kind of feel like that's the lack of uh lack of professionalism i mean yeah it's funny and it's entertaining but uh, i think there's a reason if you watch watch the coaches in the nhl the majority of the time I, i know I can appreciate, I guess, the level of commitment and the hours these guys put in and, and to have that, uh, the perception of it being kind of jeopardized by, a, by like a third, a third party that uh, someone's opinion of the game. Uh, I think I can understand the frustration of that, but I, I think you see the, the top level guys are always kind of holding it together and always calm, cool and collected and you just kind of roll your eyes and you see the clips of the coaches like launching the, the <laughs> sticks on the ice in like a minor hockey game or a minor league game or whatever and yeah i, I just i think that's kind of uh i don't know a little much you ever uh, see that show letter kenny the canadian uh, it's the, yeah <laughs> the coach that kicks the garbage can it's fucking embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i get it it's an emotional game so we'll give give the benefit of the doubt but uh i don't know i always can respect the guys in, in the NHL when they pan after like a horrible call. My second one was, <laughs> um, I, I never heard this when I was playing and partially because I was never on the power play, but um, when, I think I saw this in your notes too, when the uh, the shoot birds come <laughs> out and I never noticed till like you, you kind of, I, I was injured and be up in the, in the, uh, in the stands watching the game and just as soon as the puck gets over the blue line on the power play just everyone just or not everyone but you know nothing nothing at all ever against the fans like always a great deal of respect and um appreciation for the nhl fans and their passion for everything and um and, and obviously yeah Pay good money to come watch, and uh, and they're what makes the league go round and everything um, like that. But yeah, the the shoot birds always kind of uh, always kind of give me give me a chuckle, and and then when the guys finally kind of were working around the power play, and then they finally kind of finally do get a shot through, and then you know you have the one or two guys or people in the stands who are just kind of like bowing to the rest of their crowd, like they finally did what I told them to do, and we scored, like. That you're welcome. You're welcome yeah. for that. So what are they going to hire me as head coach? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I always uh, just being down at ice level, uh, 
it's hard. It's yeah. hard getting getting shots through, um, and I don't know to just kind of wind it up. And shot lanes are like the window you have to kind of sift these pucks through to get them to the net. Is like would be trying to basically, I don't know, hit something the size of like a basketball or a, that would like on the goal line from the blue line. Like it, it's. These are some pretty tight windows these guys are finding, but uh, yeah, you just gotta love, love the passion all in all. So that's not really a, a pet peeve, just something I, I, I noticed. Um, but uh, finally, one thing that does always kind of annoy me um, watching hockey is um, obviously you kind of have the, the love for the game and the, the reverence for the sport and we owe everything um, to, the game of hockey and the fans and everything like that. So you just want to see hockey always um, portrayed in a great light. And um, with the the <laughs> the inner the in-game interviews of coaches on the bench, always I don't know. I, I it's splitting hairs. Obviously, there's a lot more things to get upset about in the world, but. Um, as someone who, who loves the game of hockey and you can just compare it to other sports, like would you ever see uh, someone go up and interviewing Bill Belichick on the sideline of an NFL game? Like <laughs> in the midst of, uh, even in the midst of like coming off a TV timeout or while things in the middle of a game, like I just feel like these guys are trying to, to manage the game and um, there's so many moving parts that they're trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to navigate and line matchups and everything and and you're never going to get anything out of those interviews anyways like they're never going to give anything of value and I'm all for access and I think hockey's taking great strides is giving more access um and like more interviews but I think there's definitely a time and a place and more so off the ice or even in between periods I I'm I'm fine with I just uh and and I know it's not the guys doing it. Like I, I love some of these, these ex, uh, seeing some of the ex players and the job they're doing in media and like in game production. Like I think Brian Boucher is phenomenal to watch. He's you know, and now having doing this and kind of fumbling over words sometimes and trying to, to figure out what to talk about. Like I've got a huge amount of respect for guys that do that live on air, and they, these guys are doing a, a great job. And I. I know. I think it's probably more on the executive level that someone thought this was a, a great idea and and something we needed to to give a give an inside look. But I don't know. I just think it maybe cheapens things a little bit when you have have that much access in games. But uh, I don't know. That's just just my opinion for what it's worth. I agree with you on all three of those. Uh, um, the shoot birds always annoying. Uh, the in-game interviews, like you said, there's always a guy. The coaches always have one eye on the ice, and they're never gonna they're never gonna give a, give you anything really, really good. Um, but I'm gonna go with with a different three. Uh, the first one I could talk about forever. I'm just gonna touch on it quickly, and then maybe we'll talk about it more in depth in another episode. But overuse of analytics and hockey journalism, I get it in the front office. It, it improves the game. I think it, as long as they're not relying solely on it, I think it helps. But in a lot of times especially in the, uh, the, the, I won't say the lower tiers, but the, the more like crowdsource, we'll call it, type of hockey journalism where it's not like the guys from the, from the big papers. Uh, they, sometimes you'll find someone just posts like a graph of a, like hockey, some event, like it's expected goals or something like that. And then it's like, it's not even 
It's not even like an understandable unit that they're using. But there's no way any Tom, Dick, and Harry is going to look at that and be like, yes, I get, the, I get this. Like, explain, at least explain, if it's about a player, what makes the player effective with that stat? What about their game makes them good? It just like, it, it, sometimes I'm like, maybe that's, it's limiting your readers. Um, and the other thing, uh, similar to shoot birds, guy in the guy in the bleachers who wants to crap on an individual player but doesn't notice when he's not on the ice. Like example, uh, I was watching a Bruins game back when I lived in Boston. There's this guy just. This is when Lucic was in Boston. This guy was just giving it to Lucic the whole night. But one thing, Lucic wasn't playing. <laughs> he wasn't on the ice. He was <laughs> it, it was injured and. I was just saying, like, how long is this guy gonna crap on Lucic and not notice he's he's, he's not playing? It was oh, it was a full period. Love it. That's great. <laughs> it's a full period. Oh, yeah, that's uh, classic. Uh, the one that really gets me though, personally, about playing hockey. I still play men's league. Obviously, I never played professionally or college. Played up till I was 19, but playing in men's league, getting called a diver, like. I've only ever been called a diver once. Typically, when I'm in men's league, I'm calm. I'm not getting into it with anyone. If there's a scrum in front of the net, like there's always those hardos that, that try to get in fights in men's league. I'm never involved. Always. I yeah. got I got called a diver the other night, and I went nuts. Like, I was just so pissed. This guy, this kid who sucked, couldn't skate, was just like, I, basically what happened was I, I kind of turned away from him with the puck. He he couldn't keep up with me. Corkscrewed me between the legs with his stick, and somehow climbed up my back, and so I fell. The ref called the penalty and they goes like, oh, come on, you, you were diving. I was like, you, that's your fourth penalty of the game because you can't oh, skate. And yeah. the, just so the rest of the game, I was just like in his face. I kind of enjoyed it, but like afterwards I was embarrassed. I was like, damn it. I, that, it's just men's league. Yeah, like, just that's a low that blow, man. Yeah, that's like the ultimate hockey insult, calling someone diver. That's uh, yeah, uncalled for by this guy. Yeah, but uh, I, I think that I think that'll do it. It's a fun episode. I, I I enjoyed it. So that'll do it for both of us. You can find us as always on all your favorite iTunes directory or podcast directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on your social accounts. And don't be afraid to rate us uh, five stars on those on those uh, different podcast networks. So yeah, anything else you want to add, Kent? Uh, we're, we think we're all good. Yeah, I think that's good. I guess I'll throw uh, throw the old social media on there once again. A reminder for uh, Husqvarna. I haven't posted in a couple of days. I, I got to remember to to post something. Uh, some kind of content here. It was our two-year-old's birthday yesterday, Lockie. So happy birthday, Lockie! So I'll maybe post a post a birthday pic of old Lockman. Yeah, happy birthday, Lockie! As well, I hope to meet you someday. <laughs> um, yep. So that'll do it. Have a good week, and we'll we'll be back uh, to bring you our thoughts on. I think it'll be the start of the first game, probably, or the we'll have some has uh, seen the first regular season yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. By yeah, excited. All right, take care. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.